welcome to this episode of Rewired Podcast. I'm Bailey. And I'm Kelly. And today we're continuing our episode five series. Uh, This is actually the final episode of that series because we're now on season five, episode five. Yeah, so it's pretty exciting. Um, Let's just take a moment, though, to say some of what's been going on um, as we're in these very different times with the coronavirus. Um, The actor who plays Naaman, so Hulitu McCallum, has been hosting, it just started today, this live watch party of The Wire. So we were um, lucky enough to be able to join that this evening. And if anyone out there um, wants to take part, uh, we have tweeted the information for the Zoom meeting. It's going to be happening Monday to Friday, two episodes per day. And uh, there's a great chat that goes on in the Zoom the Zoom chat function. So uh, take part. We'll be there. And we hope uh, some of you will be as well. Yeah, that's a great option. It's a perfect time to rewatch The Wire. The other thing is Trey Cheney also has been really active lately and uh, tweeting a lot and promoting the documentary on his life and some of the other cool stuff that he's doing too. So we also uh, retweet him fairly often. So if that's interested or if that's interesting to you, then check him out as well. Yep, he just dropped two new songs on iTunes. Um, you can find them there, and uh, we've been sharing some of that on our uh, Twitter account. So even if you're just here for the podcast, maybe check us out online because we've been sharing some news of what's going on uh, with the Wire and crew. And if you're binging on our show uh, to get you through these quarantine days, we would really appreciate you leaving um a rating or review of us on iTunes or whatever uh, podcast feed you're listening to us on. Um, because yeah, with that just uh, lets more people know about what we're doing. Great. So in this uh, five series, we're going to, in this episode, we're going to really focus on the themes of dialectics and duplicity, which um, actually some of what we talked about, you can find in our mimesis and chiasmus. Uh, episode. Kelly, do you want to give just a quick overview of what that was and maybe how duplicity and dialectics differ from Mimesis and Chiasmus? Uh, Sure. So our Mimesis and Chiasmus episode was from season one of Rewired Podcast when we were looking at this theme of kind of mirroring, but often with a twist um, and foils that are between characters and some of the repetition that we see There's a lot of scenes of characters kind of gazing into a reflective surface or um, repeated lines that are said back in a slightly altered context. Um, So, for instance, at the end of season one, uh, sorry, not at the end of, but during the courtroom scene in season one, episode one, we see McNulty say nicely done. And then at the end of that season, we see Stringer Bell repeat back to McNulty, nicely done after sentencing. So that's a little bit of um, repetition with a twist. Um, The idea of a dialectic or a duplicity is more, um, I guess you could kind of think of it as like a stretched out tension that is kind of ongoing and opposing forces within one character, one institution, or, or something like that. So um, a lot of sort of similarities, and we'll, we'll talk about that, but um, a bit less granular in application. 
Okay, wonderful. So the other thing, so the first thing is this episode is actually called React Quotes. So even the title of the episode suggests kind of um, mirroring or reaction. Um, and maybe you can you can speak to that a little bit more, Kel? Sure. I mean, react, reaction, um, an action causing uh, another action. So that's kind of that... Um, I guess you could say tension between two forces or opposing forces in a lot of cases. And then the idea of a quote is a, a repetition in and of itself. Um, so we're kind of invited to think about this doubling or um, if you think about the idea of quotation and quoting, which is to repeat something, um, a sort of theme of repetition um, that will take place across this episode. Great. So, really, why don't you um, like give in case people haven't watched it recently? What's a sort of recap of what happens in this episode? Perfect. So, a recap of this episode. So, the one of the most prominent um, plot lines that we see is that Marlowe has just killed Prop Joe, and he's taken over his role with the Connect Vondas, and he also takes over the leader of the New Day Co-op, which is not. Um, met with much positivity from the members of the co-op. Clay Davis is facing prosecution, um, which, you know, all the work that sort of started over season one has now reached this critical point. Um, and Clay Davis is, is, is hopefully going to see justice, although we eventually see that that's not the case. Um, Chris and Snoop have Omar in their sights and they're going after Omar hard. Um, which, of course, we also know that that means Omar is going after them. Um, Templeton, so pulling on the, the title of the episode, Templeton is sent to get react quotes from the homeless because McNulty has finally ramped his homeless serial killer up enough that the, the newspaper is starting to pay a little bit of attention to it. Um, we know that the fake phone call from the killer, uh, which is something that Templeton sets up for himself happens in this episode. And that's what prompts McNulty to get the fake wire. And it, the sort of last bit of this episode is Omar makes his legendary escape from yeah, which is the, the setup basically in, in Michael's apartment. Right. Exactly. Um, so a few of those plot points, Templeton, Herc, uh, starting to kind of give or play both sides of the law, um, mm -hmm. what, what McNulty's doing, um, insofar as like kind of playing along with this fake killer, that all speaks to this idea of duplicity and, uh, two-facedness, I guess you could say, or, uh, one, public facing persona, one private persona. Um, Bailey, tell us about duplicity. Yeah. So duplicity is interesting when we think about also the word duplicitous. So duplicity certainly means a, a, a doubling of something, again, kind of a mirroring. It also has a, a an intonation or like a, a meaning of intentionally hiding true feelings or intentions behind false words or actions. So then uh, this is a definition from Merriam-Webster. So it goes on to say, if you are being duplicitous, there are actually two yous, the one you're showing and the one you're hiding. And I think especially when we think about the serial killer 
persona that McNulty has created, there is an interesting play on duplicity there and duplicitousness from McNulty is the serial killer persona that is that he's created is that the the true McNulty or is that the McNulty that he's hiding and you know there's yeah there's there's a fake a fakeness to you so that's the interestingness about duplicity and we duplicitousness can also just be used as a synonym for the word dishonest or dishonesty so and um sorry not to interrupt you at all but you mentioned um this great moment when the i guess it's the fbi gives the profile of what this serial killer um is all about and let's watch that scene if we can because it's so good when they basically list off who mcnulty is so let's watch it So what we conclude from a behavioral analysis of the known forensics is the following. The suspect is likely a white male in his late 20s to late 30s. He likely is not a college graduate, but feels nonetheless superior to those with advanced education. And he is likely employed in a bureaucratic entity, possibly civil service or quasi-public service, from which he feels alienated. He has a problem with authority and a deep-seated resentment of those who he feels have impeded his progress professionally. The minimized sexual activity suggests that this is not a primary motive for the killings. In fact, the bite marks on the last found victim, lacking the DNA of saliva, indicate to us possible post-mortem staging. The suspect has trouble with lasting relationships and is possibly a high-functioning alcoholic, with alcohol being utilized as a trigger in the commission of these crimes. His resentment of the homeless may stem from a personal relationship with someone who was in that cohort, or his victimization of vagrants might merely present an opportunity for him to assert his superiority and intellectual prowess. If you get more, fax it down and we can update the profile. Special Thanks for everything. Thanks. So, what do you think? They're in the ballpark. So what we see in that scene, and it's so well done, is um, McNulty listening to this and kind of recognizing himself in what he has created, which is like this sort of fake Mm -hmm. monster serial killer. Um, Exactly. Well, and I will say, so that scene doesn't actually happen in this season, or sorry, in this episode five, but I think it's, no, it's fine. But it's important to say that I think when we're talking about the theme of duplicity, David Simon has has really taken us from episode five to then sort of this place of McNulty getting profiled and and the duplicitousness continues throughout. Yeah. Well, and so likewise with Templeton. So Templeton is lying to be a better writer or um, to kind of get more attention from the editorial board of the Baltimore Sun. And in a way, all of his convoluted stories are creating a fake Templeton. A Templeton mm-hmm. that is um, the center of this plot and um, kind of just by happenstance is put in the middle of everything. And, and Templeton, uh, the real, in scare quotes, the real Templeton has created that um, through his own um, actions and desires. Exactly. And I think, you know, as Gus, so again, as this season continues on, um as Gus kind of starts to get on to him and, and asks another writer to investigate Templeton, what he says is, you know, these things start with just tweaking a react quote here, cleaning up a quote. And then next thing you know, 
you're just outright lying to keep up with this this writer that you've created but it's because you you're it's fake it's all fake yeah i like what you said about tweaking or um manipulating the react quote or manipulating the story in some way which um i don't think it's this episode but templeton also does with the the veteran that he interviews um and mm-hmm. the idea of like manipulating or altering in some way is pretty thematically similar to what McNulty does with crime scenes and with bodies and with evidence. They're both kind of, they're presented with something that starts as um, reality or truth and they work upon it and they tinker with it until it becomes this kind of um, being of its own. And we'll get into that even more a little bit later because we're going to talk about Frankenstein, but um, worth mm-hmm. worth noting your choice of words there about tweaking or, or changing. Exactly. And so so Templeton has started to lie to be a better writer. And um, I think, you know, there's a lot of interesting pieces that he's doing there too. And exactly like you said, he, he starts in the same way that McNulty does. And every time McNulty and in a way, Lester Freeman becomes kind of the devil on McNulty's shoulder, pushing him more and more, and of course, this is all to catch Marlowe with his dead bodies in the vacants. Um, but, you know, McNulty starts to feel this spiral out of his control, and he can no longer control the killer he's created. Yeah. Um, you know, and it escalates to now he's kidnapping a live homeless person. And, you know, and he keeps saying, Lester, when is this going to end? When, when does it stop? How far do we go? Um, but he, he, as as Templeton does too, begins to lose control. Well, and so similar in the way that Freeman is the devil on McNulty's shoulder, we could say that the managing editor and the editor-in-chief, whose names I don't recall, but they are sort of the devils on Templeton's shoulder because they give him a lot of praise for these sensational stories. And they say, Mm -hmm. it's going to be front page. And that spurs him on with what he's doing. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, they're telling him, you know, this has Pulitzer written all over it. Yeah. So um, with all that in mind and these kind of two-facedness and duplicity, um, I thought we could go back to mythology, which we talk a lot about on this podcast um, because of all of it all of the applications to the wire. And so when we were thinking about the duplicity, I sort of thought of Janus, who was the Roman god with two faces. And it doesn't have an exact Greek equivalent, but a a lot of different scholars in the research that I did bring up the dichotomy of Apollo and Dionysus, which is a Greek tradition, Mm -hmm. um, as kind of in that same style of tension. So Nietzsche philosopher wrote the birth of tragedy about that Greek tradition and proposed these concepts of Apollonian and Dionysian being in constant tension, Um, not just within uh, multiple characters, but even within one own character. So Hmm. um, just to kind of familiarize everyone, the Apollonian represents order, restraint, reason, logic, And then the Dionysian represents excess, madness, drunkenness, feeling. So um, kind of really quite opposite to Apollonian. So um, Mm. we can put all the reference material in our show notes, but just think of it as Apollonian is 
thinking, self-controlled, rational, logical, ordered. And then Dionysian is feeling, passionate, irrational, instinctive, chaotic, and intoxication. Mm. So I thought that was pretty interesting, especially about Dionysian representing drunkenness, because McNulty is drunk, fully drunk, drinking Jameson out of the trunk of his car when he comes up earlier in the season with the idea of messing with the body. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about the uh, the uh, uh, Apollo, Apollo, Apollonian? Apollonian, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's interesting because in a lot of ways, I think David Simon has juxtaposed Spunk as this Apollonian voice. So with Lester being the devil on his shoulder, Bunk is that voice of reason. And in fact, at one point calls Jimmy out and says, you're half drunk two days out of 10 and you're loaded the other six or whatever. I can't remember the exact quote, but uh, even his like drinking buddy starts to call him out. Yeah. And so that's that um, sort of dialectic tension again. And then similar in the newsroom, we could say that Gus represents the Apollonian ordered, reasoned, mm-hmm. logical, thinking, factual. And then Templeton is the Dionysian, which is that um, excess, passion, um, chaos, and focus more on um, the irrational, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea from Nietzsche and then other readings was that the Dionysian and the Apollonian are kind of inextricable inextricably entwined with one another. And these are tensions and, and um, forces that are always meeting. And it's kind of within that tension that we get sort of the best tragic art, you might say, um, which I mm. say that the wire is for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so um, that brings us back a little bit to Frankenstein which, Bailey, you brought up the idea of Frankenstein uh, when we were researching this episode, which is sort of a classic example of Apollonian and Dionysian forces uh, and this idea of doubling. So tell us what you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I think so when I was thinking, you know, about duplicity in literature and the themes of duplicity, you know, there are there are other great examples of literature that so one of the examples is Shakespeare there is Hamlet and Othello now I'm not familiar with Shakespeare that well but the other piece of it that really came up to me and especially particularly because it's a gothic novel and we've looked at the wire as a gothic novel in the past um, is the idea of Frankenstein and I think you know McNulty truly becomes a Dr. Frankenstein in that he creates a monster, quote unquote, in the serial killer that he can no longer control. But I think as the viewers, we start to wonder, is McNulty the monster? You know? Yeah, well, and that scene that we watched, um, not from this episode, but from the FBI profile, really underscores that point. Because if McNulty has all of these characteristics that the FBI are assigning to the serial killer, I know it's a bit of dramatic irony because he did the things, but Mm -hmm. we are meant to kind of be like, oh my gosh, like, is McNulty that, is he the bad one or the good one? Or what, what figure is he in this, um, in Mm -hmm. the novel that we see? 
Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons, and we've talked about this in our previous episode, which we entitled, What Was the Deal with Season 5? <laughs> um, but up until this point, up until this season, McNulty, we, in our first episode, we described him as a tragic hero. He's, he's a flawed character, a deeply flawed character. In some ways, we're not even sure if we supposed if we're supposed to like him but we're he's at the end of the day a good cop and he's trying to do the right thing and he's wrong for the right reasons as as uncle frank says in in season two and by by this point in season five i think we really are starting to question uh, is he still wrong for the right reasons Right. And I think that ties nicely to Frankenstein as well. The subtitle of which um, was the modern Prometheus. And Prometheus is from Greek mythology. So that just ties in nicely again to all of these traditions that we're drawing on. Um, This is just from Wikipedia, but it says in the Western classical tradition, Prometheus became a figure who represented human striving particularly the quest for scientific knowledge and the risk of overreaching or unintended consequences. In particular, he was regarded in the Romantic era as embodying the lone genius whose efforts to improve human existence could also result in tragedy. Mm. Um, And so, first of all, um, Frankenstein kind of is right on that cusp of the Romantic era as a novel, but also McNulty is kind of, he's, striving for knowledge in the way that he wants to solve kind of the the case that he's more absorbed with, which is the bodies and the vacants. And that's a kind of scientific knowledge, but there's all these unintended consequences. And um, something I didn't mention, but from that same Wikipedia overview is that Prometheus stole fire and gave it to humanity. And in a way, McNulty steals time and resources and overtime and personnel and everything hmm. gives it to all the other police that like don't have that because their cases aren't seen as worthy of it. Um, so I think there's a good parallel there. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's interesting, this notion of being the lone genius, because I think that's often the way McNulty does think of himself over and over again. It's sort of reiterated to us that he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and he doesn't, he lacks respect. He's insubordinate because he believes he's smarter than everyone else in the room. Yeah, completely. Um, and I think, I think Templeton thinks he's smarter than everyone else in the room as well. Like he thinks he's mm-hmm. good to do react quotes. That's what starts his whole plot. And when he is shown up by one of the other reporters that's been there for a long time, who knows everything about who's at city hall you know, that kind of mm-hmm. embarrasses Templeton. And so he wants to show that he is smarter by conjuring up this sort of fake narrative and then being like, well, of course the killer would call me. I was handing out cards, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think we would call Templeton Prometheus because he actually isn't striving for knowledge at all. Um, and he's mm-hmm. not... You know, in no way does he sort of steal any sort of metaphorical fire and give it away. He's really entirely self-interested. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So at no point is he wrong for the right reasons. He's no. just sort of always just wrong for the wrong reasons. <laughs> wrong for the wrong reasons. We actually, we put a poll up on Twitter the other day about 
um, who is the least likable character in The Wire. And I'm pretty sure Templeton won that. Mm, Well, there you go. That's telling for sure. But just to sort of continue on this idea of Frankenstein, there's another article that we looked at, sorry, not article, it's a book, and we'll we'll reference it in show notes, but it's called The Wild Man's Revenge, about this archetype of this lone man figure. And I'll read a passage here. It says, the real evil exists not in the heart of the wild man, but in the heart of the man who created him, Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus, as Mary Shelley ironically calls him in the subtitle. As the remorseful monster explains at the close of the narrative, his murders were the uncontrollable effects of a passion for revenge, which was a direct result of an unending and unendurable loneliness of the frustrations of his natural desires for companionship and love. Frankenstein had promised to create him a mate and retired to the Orkneys to do so. But at the last moment, horrified at the thought of a whole race of monsters, Frankenstein reneges and destroys his Mm. So the idea of the man who created him is kind of interesting because we might even think about the systems or institutions as creating that evil. Like McNulty only becomes what he is because of the flaws in the police system. And Templeton becomes what he is because of the way the press works and trying to sell like if it bleeds, it leads. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting piece in this episode, because McNulty in trying to get more press for his killer goes to Alma, the reporter who's been assigned to it and says, he's basically giving her a confidential tip off to try to get her to do more coverage and try to get more front page and this and that and, and Templeton actually goes with her and encourages McNulty to give the more sort of um, I don't know, uh, I want to say exploitative, but m- more like lascivious details of, of what's taking place in order to sell more papers. Right, like the biting and everything. Exactly, exactly. Um, so th- I think that that's an interesting, uh, an interesting piece around the systems. And I think one of the things that, w- that David Simon is constantly reminding us of us of in season five is that the crime rate, you know, Carchetti ran on the crime rate, the crime rate, crime rate is intended to drop. And in order to get elected, Carchetti made a lot of promises to the police department. And in the end is, is recreating the exact same systems. Like when he makes Daniel's commissioner, it's on on the promise to Daniels that he will never have to juke the stacks again, stats again, and yet he does almost right away. Yeah, and so here's one more fitting passage from the Wild Man Within. It says, "The final revenge of the Wild Man comes when, as in the Gothic tradition, the myth becomes transparent, and civilized man is forced to recognize that the only source of evil, as well as the only sanction of value, is within himself." And that really comes back to this dialectical model of Apollonian and Dionysian characteristics is that they are both within ourselves or our institutions. And so McNulty, Templeton and and others across the wire sort of serve as that example of the wild man where we're forced to recognize that the evil comes from within in some way. And uh, I think the sort of decay of the American dream 
stretches across all of the wire. And, and this is a really good episode for demonstrating that. Absolutely. So Herc also is duplicitous in this, in this episode. He, he now works for Maurice Levy, the lawyer, and Marlowe gives Levy his new cell phone number because uh, even though he says he doesn't use phones, Vonda says, this is how you use him. He gives him the code and everything. And then, of course, he now has the number. So when Marlo leaves and and Levy and uh, Herc are talking, Levy says, you know, we Joe gave this guy to us just in time. If he's using phones, it's only a matter of time before we're we're tied up in so much paperwork for a wiretap and that kind of thing. So, you know, Levy sees this coming, but it is Herc that gives the number to Carver, who then, of course, gives it to to Lester Freeman. And that's what sort of spurs all of this on. And, you know, in some ways, you think to yourself, is is this redemptive of Herc? Are we can we see him for doing this duplicity for the wrong or for the right reasons? But then later on, he he gets his bread buttered on both sides too, and he still is loyal to Levy in the end, and he's he's trying he's trying to sniff out information from Carver to find out if it's an illegal wiretap, um, so that he can feed that back to Levy. Yeah, I think the way I read that gesture with the phone number is Herc regards it as nothing more than a quid pro quo of having messed up with Randy um, prior. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. he, in his kind of transactional thinking, he gives the phone number and then, okay, that's all square. And he can go back to doing the dirt or whatever, working for Levy um, because he sees it as nothing more than like a, um, a one for one relationship. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely right. So again, he is being duplicitous, but not in the same way, not in the same way Templeton was and not in the same way McNulty was. Yeah, I think the um, the duplicity with McNulty and Templeton is especially interesting because of this fake persona that really comes to the fore. I don't think Herc has that quite as much, although he is, of course, um, deceiving many people at many different times. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, are there any other um, themes of duplicity or dialecticness in this episode that we should focus on? Well, not at the top of my head, but I'd be curious to hear what other people think, as always. Yes. So let us know what you think. Um, this is the end of the five series. So we're going to take a, a short break while we think about what our season three will look like. This is our 30th episode. Um, so we would definitely love to have listener input about um, what topics you'd like us to cover. Are there literary themes that are jumping out to you in the wire and you think we should chat about them? Um, send them our way. And one thing, Bailey, that's kind of cool, and we'll just note it here at the end. This is our 30th episode, which is the end of our second season. And of course, the end of season five, last episode is titled 30. So can't get that's right. more fitting than that. Because all pressers, all press releases end with a dash 30 dash at the bottom of the page. They certainly do. So this is our 30. And uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Rewired Podcast. 
Or you can mail us podcast.rewired at gmail.com. And um, definitely let us know what themes you'd like to see in season three. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Way Way down down in the hole. hole.